We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Chicago Bears select. Welcome to Picks for Pace, presented by the Bear Report. Your number one source for everything Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, making their way to the podium, Andrew Freeman and Usaid Koshal. Welcome to Picks for Pace, a Chicago Bears draft podcast presented by the Bear Report. My name is Andrew Freeman, and of course, I'm happy to be joined by my co-host, Usain Koshal. We are recording this episode on June 18th, it's a Friday here, and pretty notable because yesterday was officially the last day of minicamp practices, so now you say we've been kind of previewing this, I think, for the last month or so, how, you know, before training camp starts, it's going to be kind of, you know, dead in terms of news and things to talk about here for the Bears, well, that time has finally come because there's no more minicamp practices. Uh, we're not going to be getting any more new content, I would assume, from Bears practice or anything like that for a, quite a long while here, about a month and a half before training camp kicks off. So, you know, it was interesting getting to follow these minicamp storylines through this week. But, you know, other than that, you said, how are we doing today, man? I'm doing well. It's really slow, but there's a piece of it's Bears related news, but it's not Bears related news because there's the whole bit on Arlington Heights, which is just super interesting. I mean, for those of our listeners that are outside of the Chicagoland area, area Arlington, I'm in the western suburbs. Arlington Heights is in like the northwest suburbs. So I'm looking at about like a 45 minute drive, pretty much the same distance from if I were to go to Soldier Field and watch an actual game. But yeah, man, that news came out. Minicamp was definitely exciting. A lot of good stuff, I thought, from Justin Fields' press conference yesterday, which is on the Bears' official YouTube channel. Because he basically detailed, like, this is what they're having me do this offseason for my development in terms of learning to play calls into the – or learning to call a full play into the huddle. Because in college, these guys are just getting signals from the sidelines, similar to, like, baseball, I want to say. But yeah, other than that, man, how are you? Yeah, doing really good. Like you said, that that Arlington news is probably the most interesting thing that has come out this entire week. I know many camp practices we're frothing at the mouth for any like Bears related like videos or news as related to the practices or whatever. But that Arlington thing, like you said, is really interesting. And we're going to get to that in a minute here because I really want to talk about that before we get into the meat of this episode today. 
but quickly just going on the mini camp stuff you know if you want to get more in-depth stuff on what's going on at the mini camp practices this week i you know suggest that you check out the main bear report podcast with zach and aaron uh because zach has a lot of interesting nuggets and updates for what went on at practices he was there for all the practices this week so you can definitely get some more in-depth stuff on the regular bear report podcast but in terms of what we've heard from what's going on at the practices this week uh, you know, some of the main things uh, I think here, you kind of mentioned how Justin feels his development and what's going on there, how he's played in relation to Andy Dalton. That's kind of been a big storyline there. You know, Matt Nagy dropped that uh, quote that was completely misrepresented on Twitter, uh, which is not a surprise. That's what Twitter does, um, where he basically, you know, he was asking the Chris Collinsworth podcast where, you know, is there any chance that Fields can start week one? You know, Matt Nagy says no, but then he backtracks. It's like, well, you know, anything could happen. And then you know, a, a snippet of that quote got on Twitter and it just took off from there and Bears Twitter freaked out, which, you know, it's kind of annoying, but kind of fun to see at the same time. But I think the biggest news from this uh, minicamp period was the fact that Eddie Goldman did not show up for these mandatory minicamp practices. Now, this is notable because Eddie Goldman, he opted out of last season due to the pandemic and just raises a lot of questions. It sounds like both the players and the coaching staff expects him to be there for training camp. But if he isn't there, that is – that's huge. And it puts into question a lot of things about Eddie Golden's future, not only with the Bears, but, you know, with the league as a football player in, its, in and of itself because you kind of have to question here, you know, did a year off kind of change his mindset in terms of does he want to, you know, play football again? You know, I don't want to, you know, be too hot-taking on here with this because we don't really know what the situation is. It, it could be possible that Eddie Goldman, he just wants to rest his body until he gets to training camp. And he's had all this time off and he kind of wants to get, you know, have more time to get into shape before he gets into these physical grueling practices uh, where it's going to take a lot of toll on his body um, in these training camp practices, which I can understand that. Um, but again, it kind of puts into question here what's going on here. You know, the Bears did sign Mike Pennell, a veteran nose tackle who's been around the league for a long time here, a productive player um, on a one-year deal probably a minimum type of deal. I didn't see the exact details of what they signed him for, but I'm assuming it's a minimum type of contract for a veteran. Um, kind of just as an insurance in case Eddie Goldman, you know, this kind of, this situation kind of doesn't go in the Bears' favor here with uh, Eddie Goldman. But what are your thoughts on this Eddie Goldman situation? Because I feel like that's kind of the biggest news outside of, you know, everything going, with the, going on with the quarterbacks. You know, it's interesting what will happen with this Eddie Goldman thing. Yeah, it's definitely not something that you want to hear because when we look at Eddie Goldman, I think we have to understand something is that just look at the sharp contrast for the Bears defense in terms of the way they played in 2019 when Eddie Goldman was fully healthy and ready to go. And then 2020, I mean, there was a significant drop off, especially in the run defense. Now, I will say this, when I look at the Bears and this entire situation, it's not a situation that you want to be in because for Eddie Goldman to not be fully present and healthy, that's going to be a major issue. Ultimately, what you're going to be looking at is it's going to impact the entire defense because Goldman's one of the guys he eats up these double teams, which then frees up Akeem Hicks. And then it also frees up someone like um, a Roquan Smith or a Khalil Mack to be able to do things like get after the quarterback. That's not a situation that you ultimately want to be in because now your front seven without Eddie Goldman is going to be less effective. But I think the bigger thing that we have to consider here is this, is that the Bears have 
right now on the Bears roster, there's three players that opted out in 2020. That's Damien Williams, the running back, wide receiver Marquise Goodwin, and then obviously nose tackle Eddie Goldman. I think what's very interesting is that Damien Williams has been there. He's been healthy. He spoke to the media. Matt Nagy mentioned Marquise Goodwin as well as being a guy who had a great first two phases of OTAs as well as um, minicamp. But then all of a sudden there's Eddie Goldman who's like, they say he's at Hallis Hall, but he's not really there. They're just, it's just such a mixed reaction regarding that. So ultimately it's going to be something interesting to monitor because with the slow period now, could we possibly see Eddie Goldman retire? Like some people hinted out on Twitter yesterday. Yeah. But then again, he's still under contract for the next three seasons. So there's no real, there's not really any telling what's going to go on, but when the bears do report to minicamp that final week of or, I'm sorry, training camp, the last week of July, if Eddie Goldman's not there, that's when you start to hit the panic button, but do not hit the panic button for now. Because let's be honest, it's the Bears fan base and the Bears fan base has done this time and time and time again, where fans really tend to blow a lot of things out of proportion without seeing the full picture of what's really going on. And it's also very possible because the Bears have done this with their players in the past where these guys have been injured and then rather than get out there and have these guys re-injure themselves, they take a cautious approach which is something that they could be doing with Eddie Goldman anyway, especially with new defensive coordinator Sean Desai running the defense now. Yeah, I think you're absolutely 100% dead on with the Bears fan base, you know, blowing everything out of proportion. I mean, we've, we've seen this happen, like, all the time, like, on Twitter or on Facebook or wherever tw- Bears fans, you know, congregate on social media. It's It can be a bloodbath, you know, when anything happens, and it, get, it just completely gets – taken to the 11th degree in terms of, uh, like you said, being a taken out of proportion. You know, like you kind of mentioned, I'm not going to worry about this too much until we get to training camp. And if Eddie Goldman's not there in training camp, then I'll get worried. I mean, we haven't seen Ian Rappaport or any of the big, or Am Schefter or any of the big NFL reporters, um, you know, give us anything new on what the situation is. So um, we don't know whether it's a contract issue, whether it's a personal issue. We, we just don't know. And, you know, until we get to training camp, I don't think we are going to know what the situation is with Eddie Goldman. You know, it's going to be a long month and a half before we get to that point. Um, but until we get there, you know, it's something to monitor, but it's not something I'm necessarily worried about right now. But uh, definitely something that I think we should keep an eye on, you know, in this next month and a half or so. Uh, that takes us to, I think, the bigger news that we want I wanted to get to here before we get into the meat of this podcast. You said you we mentioned it earlier, the Arlington Park news. So uh, the Bears... Ted Phillips announced this uh, officially on the Bears social media uh, Twitter account that uh, the Bears have placed a bid to buy Arlington International Racecourse. And for those who don't know, Arlington International Racecourse are looking to sell their big property there. It's a huge landmass area. I personally never have been there before, um, but from what I have heard from those who have been there, it's a huge area. It's it's really nice. And there's a lot of potential there uh, for stadium building. Um, especially for the Bears there, um, to really do something fascinating if they wanted to potentially move out of Soldier Field and go to that area. And I find this really interesting because the Bears, this has been nothing new for them. They've been kind of in a uh, battle with the city for a long time over Soldier Field, wanting to renovate it, wanting to make new changes to the property. You know, Soldier Field, they fought tooth and nail to do that first renovation in the early 2000s that really kind of backfired on them in many ways. Um, and that's, that's a big reason why they want to probably want to renovate it or get out of there right now. Um, but 
you know, I look at the situation here, you said, and, you know, I, I get the nostalgic factor for Soldier Field. I, I really do. I get like fans love having the stadium in the heart of Chicago and all those nostalgic feelings that go along with this. Soldier Field is an iconic uh, stadium for the city of Chicago. Uh, but I can't help but feel, you know, very intrigued by this idea of Ar moving to Arlington here because, you know, you look at the square feet of the area that they would be purchasing here. It's a bid, so nothing is said so that they even like get to buy this landmass, which is, you know, should be stated first off. Uh, but if, if it would fall through, I mean, there is so much potential here. The, the landmass is actually bigger in square feet than what the Rams and Chargers currently have for their sh shared stadium. And just to put this into perspective of what, why the Bears would want to make this move, you look at Soldier Field as it stands right now, it has the lowest capacity for seating in the NFL, about 60,000, lowest in the NFL. Uh, small stadium in the NFL in terms of overall seating. Uh, they lack a lot of the modern amenities that you're seeing in some of the newer stadiums across the league. You look at LA, Atlanta, Minnesota, some of these other brand new stadiums that are just really, really awesome. Um, I think for fans to go to, what from what I've heard, um, in terms of the overall experience there. And you look at the Bears here, they're in the third biggest media market in the league, in the United States, and they're stuck in this really mediocre stadium, small stadium, and I just don't think they're – they see it – I can see it from their standpoint that they're not maximizing the potential here. They don't even own the stadium, um, and they can't do, you know, any other events here at this at Silver Field. You look at, you know, Super Bowls, uh, Final Fours, concerts in the winter, all that type of stuff that could possibly bring more revenue. They can't do that here. So from a business standpoint, it makes all the sense in the world for the Bears to want to move to Arlington and get their own stadium. What are your thoughts on the entire situation here? Because this is really fascinating and uh, really something that will be fun to follow in the upcoming years. Yeah, I mean, you look at it, I think it's like 326 acres. That's a rough figure that I saw that's out there. And that would honestly be a lot for the Bears because I would compare this to the redevelopment that's taken place at Wrigley Field over the last couple of years in the sense that if you went to Wrigley Field just 10 to 15 years ago, it was like a big stadium. And then there was like the Taco Bell, there were a couple of bars around and that was it. And now what the Cubs have done over the last couple of years is kind of taken that entire area and built it into like a Cubs like Mecca per se. And now I think that if the Bears were to move to Arlington Heights, there'd be a lot of potential there because it would basically be like a Chicago bears bubble down there. I mean, it wouldn't just be about this big, massive updated stadium with new amenities, possibly a dome or a retractable roof, something like that. A new updated stadium that is going to enhance the consumer experience, but you could have things like restaurants down there. You could have like bears, another location for bears fit, for example, even something like, um, a Bears pro shop, which I know is down by Soldier Field as well. So really the Bears have a major business opportunity on their hands here. And if you're Virginia and George McCaskey, you're the ownership, you don't have you have to look at this from the standpoint of forget the city for just a moment and just look at it solely from a business perspective. This is gonna if you own your own stadium, it's gonna bring in so much revenue. I mean, if the Bears were to do this, they would be one of the few teams in the NFL that would have created like a traditional bubble per se, because when you look at a lot of these stadiums, I mean, they're just these freestanding buildings, Ford Field in Detroit, um, Minnesota, U.S. Bank Stadium. But then look at a team like the Dallas Cowboys. And Jerry Jones was one of the original pioneers of this concept in the sense that what he built in 
Frisco, Texas, was what they call Jerry World or the Star, where you've got the training facilities, the stadium, the hotels for players, things of that nature. So I think if you go through with this thing at Arlington Heights, I mean, it's going to be 326 acres of just like Chicago Bears stuff. And also look at it this way. I mean, sports betting is really taking off. So it would be another opportunity for the Bears ownership to rake in significant revenue that at the end of the day, you could just funnel back into the team. And I think that we've mentioned, I've said this to people so many times in the past, one of the things with Bears ownership is they have to realize that the money is going to come in anyway, as long as you put a good product onto the field. That's just the reality. I mean, look at Justin Fields. He's got the third, fourth, and fifth best-selling jersey in the NFL, and he's only been on the roster for two months at this point. So it's one of those things where you look at it. You have to look at this from a simple cash perspective because cash, the money that you rake in through a new stadium, yeah, it's going to cost you in the short term, but look at the implications that are going to be there for the franchise for decades to come. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just – it makes way too much sense to not do it if you're Bears ownership. And the only reason they would stay is because, you know, they feel a sense of loyalty to the city to want to keep that tradition of keeping the Bears in Chicago, in Soldier Field and whatnot. And that's great for, you know, the Homer feeling. You know, it's great for the city to have that in town. But, I mean, like you say, it just makes way too much sense because of all they could do with that property and how they could maximize that uh, to not only make it really profitable, just a, but just make it a great overall experience for the fan base and the fans that go to the games. Um, it would just be something that I think would be really exciting. And, you know, we've been talking about, you know, the Bears. I mean, they've been stuck in this traditional old school mindset from the top to down of the organization for such a long time. I think it's one of the reasons why they, it's been, they've been held back as a team and haven't had the type of success that you've seen from some of these other teams. Um, in the NFL, they're more forward thinking and looking to kind of innovate um, in, in a way as the world kind of innovates and, and changes and, and as the sports world and the sports landscape changes. And I think the casino or, you know, the betting sports gambling thing that you mentioned is really fascinating because they can build basically their own casino right across from the stadium. You can do all your gambling there for the games, place your bets for the games right there and then go to the game, basically, you know, theoretically speaking there, um, you know, because sports betting is legal now in Illinois. So it just creates way too many great opportunities, I don't think. And I think, you know, there's so limited to what they can do in Chicago, especially in Soldier Field with what they can do there, uh, you know, because they need city approval. They need approval from the park system there. It's, it's just – and Soldier Field's a, a, a landmark of the city, so they really – there's really nothing they can really change there that much. Like I said before, it, it took tooth and nail for them to change it originally and renovate the stadium to what it is today. So – I don't know. I, I find it really fascinating as a whole. I'm personally would be a fan of it personally, just selfishly speaking. I live in the Northern suburbs. So it'd be a much easier commute to go to Arlington than downtown Chicago. So selfishly speaking, like I, I'm all for it, but you know, it's, it's, it's key to keep in mind that the bears, they have their lease in soldier field, in soldier field until 2033. Part of this might just be a leveraging negotiating tactic to try to get more from the city. We'll see what happens there. But you know, I, I think it's definitely a possibility that the Bears leave Chicago and go to Arlington and within the next decade or so. You know, it, it's just a matter of can they get the property and, you know, what happens from there. So overall, I, I think that's pretty interesting to keep in mind there going forward as we enter the summer months. But another thing to get into here for this episode is really the main topic for this episode is continuing our 
draft recap series for some of these past drafts in the Ryan Pace area era. You know, we've done 2015 and 2016, covered those drafts pretty extensively. Now it's on to 2017, you say it, and this is where things got interesting for the Bears here because this is really when uh, things took off in terms of the, we saw the direction of where this team was going. As a franchise under Ryan Pace, you know, the first two drafts, um, they were kind of, you know, stuck in a hopeless rebuild. They were kind of turning the roster a little bit, getting younger, and 2017 is really where things got into it here. So before we get into this 2017 draft, I'm gonna, we're going to take, take a quick step away here for a quick break and get a little, little word in from our sponsor. And then when we get back, we're going to break down this 2017 draft, which pretty infamous here in Chicago. We'll be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And we're back here at Picks for Pace, going over this 2017 draft, revisiting this 2017 draft uh, for the Chicago Bears here. You know, this was a fascinating one, you said, because, you know, you look at the context of where the Bears were at uh, going into 2017. They were coming off a 3-13 and year in 2016 where Jay Cutler got injured early in the year, and they were going through Matt Barkley, Brian Hoyer, quarterback. It was a disastrous 2016 season after some fans, after, you know, they spent some money in free agency they thought they'd be much better, I think, in 2016, coming up with a 2015 year where they kind of overachieved a little bit. And we saw significant turnover again with the roster as some of the older players left uh, in free agency here. We saw Jay Cutler finally get released on March 9th, 2017, uh, seemingly the end of the Jay Cutler era in Chicago, for better or for worse there. Um, you, know, you know, that was certainly a landmark decision for the team as a whole, but kind of something that had to happen. At that point, for sure, you know, when you're that kind of the draft and Jay Cutler coming off an injured year, you haven't really done much in the last, you know, however many years he was there at that point. It, it made too much sense to move on at that point. But they also moved on from Alshon Jeffrey, who left in free agency for the Philadelphia Eagles, a franchise tag to the year before. Um, but he decided to move on and went to the Eagles, won a Super Bowl there. So uh, definitely a good decision for Jeffrey, both personally uh, from, from, from a financial standpoint, from a, from a team sp- standpoint, made sense for him to go to a better team that was ready to win for him right away. And then, you know, the bears, they had a lot of cap space this year and they tried to swing big, you know, I'll credit for them for this. Um, they were trying to go after big names like Stefan Gilmore was a name that was in, in the name uh, was a name that was in the works for them. AJ Boye at the quarterback position as well was another name that they tried to go after, but both of those uh, guys end up going to different teams, obviously. And instead the bears ended up with, 
a very just really poor free agency haul in his offseason. Uh, Mike Glennon overpaid him infamously on that on that contract, you know, with Ryan Pace calling him their starter for uh, the upcoming year. Marcus Wheaton, they gave him a big one year deal um, for basically no reason. Deion Sims, Quinton Demps, uh, Prince Mukamara, Marcus Cooper and Kendall Wright, you know, out of that group, only uh, Mukamara and Kendall Wright ended up doing anything of positive note for the Bears here. Um, otherwise, it was just a huge bust in free agency for the Bears that offseason. And I think that just set the tone for the entire offseason in general. Just wasn't working for them. Just not a lot of positive going in here. So you get to the draft. The Bears, they originally had the third overall pick in the draft. This is their highest since the 2005 draft when they selected Cedric Benson at fourth overall. So uh, kind of maybe a bad omen there because Cedric Benson didn't work out for the Bears either in that draft. And if you remember, Aaron Rodgers was available for them in that draft. So uh, not the greatest history in terms of the draft record there um, being that high in the draft. And there's a lot, of, I remember this draft distinctly, there's a lot of talk that Jamal Adams might've been the pick for the Bears um, or Solomon Thomas would have been an option for the Bears at number three overall. It wasn't expected that, you know, quarterback would be in the cards because they signed Mike Glennon um, and they made it sound like he was their guy. And this is before we find out that Ryan Pace, one of his big strategies of free agency is to basically so if he wants to attack a position, he's going to sign big, um, really go after attack in free agency with a lot of signings or a big signing, and then attack it in the draft. And we saw that that happened in the quarterback spot as well. So uh, the Bears, they had a lot of needs in this draft, especially on defense, but offensively, I mean, they had needs all over the place. Quarterback obviously was the big one. Uh, tight end, they needed another tight end in there. Offensive line, they need more help there, of course. And then uh, wide receiver, uh, this is a big one because they had like no good wide receivers at this point in the draft, and they need an, uh, an influx of talent after losing Alshon Jeffrey uh, at this point. So we get to the draft here, and then first overall, obviously, is Miles Garrett. That was kind of expected all along by the Cleveland Browns. And then we get this point here. Deshaun Watson was in the mix, I think, for the Bears here. That was, it was a discussion uh, by many fans and, and media personalities in the sports radio world for the Chicago Bears here. And we get the big trade up here. Bears trading a 2017 third round pick, a fourth round pick, and a 2018 third round pick to move up one spot, only one spot, to draft Mitchell Trubisky. And that kind of sealed the fate for the entire franchise as a whole. I'll let you start off with this one. You said, what are your thoughts on this Trubisky? What were your thoughts initially on the Trubisky trade? And, you know, in hindsight, obviously not too good. <laughs> I'm going to say what I said back during the fall when we rejuvenated this podcast as well as throughout the winter when we were talking about the Bears trading up for a quarterback here in 2021 is that you only get so many opportunities to do so and ultimately this was one of those cases where anytime you're a team that's picking within the top five or the top ten especially the top five it's likely because you need a quarterback and so ultimately you have to do all your homework now from what we know and this report came out during the 2019 season I mean Ryan there was such a divide within the Bears organization between quarterbacks because Ryan Pace kind of latched on to Mitch Trubisky whereas John Fox and the coaching staff, they wanted guys like Deshaun Watson. I mean, you had Pace who was at the Trubisky Pro Day, and then Watson, or I'm sorry, John Fox was at Deshaun Watson's Pro Day in Clemson. And I think was actually spotted talking to Dabo Sweeney at the time. But this was just a complete miss of a pick. Now, I'm going to give Pace this credit. I mean, he did take a swing, whereas other Bears general managers would not have taken a swing. And you had guys like legendary 
ex-Packers GM Ron Wolf basically talk about, uh, hey, this is what you need to do. Same thing with Hall of Fame executive Bill Polian. He said, he's just like, look, this is what you have to do. And they're not wrong. Pace knows that to be bold in the NFL, and if you're going to be great, you need to take a big swing. Now, you can't hit or miss unless you haven't taken the swing. But when you look at Trubisky in general, I mean, what were a lot of stuff that was coming out of UNC regarding Trubisky was just he's a great athlete. He's got all the tools, all the athleticism. He can make any throw on the field. He's got great footwork. He's got great accuracy. Now, some of those things like the footwork and accuracy ended up being total misses at the NFL level, but we saw the athlete at times. Now, overall, the one big thing about Trubisky, there were two big red flags about Trubisky. One, 13 starts after having been at UNC for four years is not good for any quarterback. And this guy went in the first round. I mean, if we looked at it, traditionally when quarterbacks only start like a year in college, we're talking about them being like undrafted free agents or just day three picks. And then number two, people had issues with Trubisky's consistency because a lot of the scouting reports at the time said, well, you have a guy like a Matt Stafford or Carson Wentz 2.0, but then you also see flashes of Blake Bortles or Chad Henney in his game from times. Yeah, it was uh, a really fascinating selection there. I'll, I'll go all the, through all the Bears selections here in this draft before uh, getting on the Trubisky pick. So uh, they obviously traded up for Trubisky here. They had seven draft picks going into this thing, so they ended up with five. On the second round, they traded back. Uh, they got a seventh round, or I should say they got a fourth rounder, uh, the 119 pick, and the sixth rounder, 197th pick uh, in the second round. And then they selected Am Shaheen, tight end out of Ashland. And then the fourth round, they traded up for Eddie Jackson, and then they got Tariq Cohen at 119. That pick they got in the Adam Shaheen trade. Then the fifth round, they got Jordan Morgan, offensive lineman out of Kutztown uh, University, a small D3 school, I believe it was. But uh, getting back to this Trubisky pick, uh, this was well, – I mean, you kind of said it. You know, Trubisky was kind of seen – I personally, this is before I really got into draft analysis and all that stuff um, heavily, but – I kind of saw him as the top quarterback uh, in, in this class when I was just kind of like going through this thing as like a casual fan at the time in terms of the draft. I know there were some other prominent people that had uh, Trubisky as their top quarterback in this one too. I know EJ Snyder at the Wind City Gridiron, he had Mr. Trubisky as his top guy in this class um, as well. And, and, you know, it was kind of seen going into this thing as a weak quarterback draft in general going into this draft. So um, that was kind of maybe the big thing in general when you look at the Bears trading up here, you know, this is seen as a weak quarterback draft. And a lot of analysts were saying, why are you trading up for a quarterback here in a weak quarterback draft? Why don't you just wait for, you know, the guy to fall to you at number three? And it turns out this ended up being a generational quarterback class because Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes is currently the best quarterback in the NFL. And Deshaun Watson uh, was a top five guy until everything that came out about him this offseason and uh, kind of might be derailing his career a little bit here. Uh, with all the all the assault and allegation, all the allegations surrounding Deshaun Watson off the field, not a good look for him. But in terms of the talent that he's been on the field, he's been an elite quarterback um, over the past couple of years as well. And the Bears ended up passing on that for Mr. Trubisky, who yeah, he started here for four years, didn't work out. Though we we covered this so many times here with Mr. Trubisky over the years, but uh, I mean, like you said, he was he was a talented player coming out of UNC, had the, enough arm talent good athlete, you know, he was always, I, I always credit him for being a, having that good work ethic, being a good guy, uh, being a good leader in the locker room, but he just didn't have, I hate to be cliche like this, but he did not have that it factor at all coming out of here. And 
you know, there were a lot of concerns for his game. You kind of mentioned the consistency, consistency thing. One of the things that was on a lot of scouting reports that he was very hot and cold. He would have stretches where he looked definitively like the best quarterback in this draft. But then he would follow up with games and stretches where he looked like a guy that was a complete project that, you know, might have been a closer pick on day three, more comfortable pick on day three for a lot of teams uh, based off of how he played. And it, it was just, it was a bold move by Ryan Pace at the time. And it was a critically pan move at the, at the time for Ryan Pace. And uh, clearly it did not work out uh, for this one. It, 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 it just failed miserably. And in terms of grading this one um, uh, for me personally, this pick individually, I gave this pick a D minus. And the only reason it's not an F because when you pass up on two generational talents at the quarterback position, you know, Ryan Pace had a 66% chance of finding a franchise quarterback and he traded up for the guy that turned out to be a bust. So um, all that said, like the quarterback positions, it's the most important thing from a process standpoint, from a evaluation standpoint, from a result standpoint, this is a complete failure. The only reason it's not a F for me um, is because, you know, Trubisky, he's not like, he wasn't the worst bust in the world that you could have possibly gotten here at the number two overall pick here. Like there've been a lot worse quarterback busts here. At least Trubisky had 2018, which is a solid year overall in terms of the production for him and led that team to, or I wouldn't say led the team to the playoffs, but he was a, he was a key part of that team making the playoffs in 2018. He was not terrible as terrible in 2018. And he started for them for three years, three full years uh, here in Chicago, got them to a playoffs another time, but Man, you're, you're passing up on two franchise-changing generational quarterback talents here. And, it, yeah, that, that, was just, that was just huge. And it's just deflating for this, this fan base and franchise overall. What, what was your grade for this pick? See, I'm going to give it a D-minus as well because you mentioned a lot of things. I mean, how many Bears quarterbacks have made the playoffs two out of the last three or just two years you know in like two yeah like two out of the four years basically that they've been with the team I don't even think Jay Cutler had a stretch like that and I can't recall a quarterback before even Cutler who did make the playoffs in back-to-back years um yeah and so ultimately listen he had his ups he had his downs but it's like you alluded to I mean he had these stretches where he was just so hot and so cold that it legitimately became an issue that going into year three and year four, he was still making some of the same mistakes that he was making in year one and two, which when you're doing that, you're not really getting anywhere as a quarterback. Yeah, it was just really unfortunate that it didn't work out for Trubisky here in Chicago. And it sets set the stage for where the Bears are at now. And um, I'll kind of talk about this later, but it took a string of very fortunate events for the Bears to potentially dig themselves out of the hole they created here. That brings us to their second pick in this draft at the 45th selection, where I mentioned it before, they traded back at 36 overall originally, getting a couple picks uh, in the fourth round in the next couple drafts here. And they ended up selecting Adam Shaheen out of Ashland here. You know, Shaheen was a very intriguing prospect coming out of college. I remember, I remember him being a very fascinating um, project type of guy that was considered kind of like a project coming out because he played at a Division II school. He had a basketball background. He transferred to Ashland to play football. Um, but, you know, you look at his career here in college, he had 16 touchdowns in his final year. So you're looking at the production-wise. If you're going to draft a guy out of a small school like that, you want to be someone that dominated his level of competition. And Shaheen certainly did that. Unfortunately, it just never translated to the NFL. He never really took off in Chicago. 
He had a couple of flashes here and there, but he really only developed into a red zone threat that could catch jump balls once in a while. And, you know, the Bears did a nice job of moving on when they did with Shaheen. They got a conditional draft pick last offseason that turned out to be, I think, a six-round pick for them. Um, so it worked out for him. Worked out for Shaheen, too. He's been solid with Miami, and he actually got a contract extension with him. So he's still in the NFL. He's still um, – you know, a decent NFL player, I guess, but he's, I mean, he's really not, not really that good with Miami. He's kind of has a limited role anyway. Um, but I mean, this was another flop for the bears here. And just to start off this draft, you're taking a huge risk with Mitch Trubisky at quarterback getting The guy who um, was very raw coming out of college with only one year of experience, only 13 starts in his college career. And then you take a division two prospect in the second round here um, at a position where, you know, you know, tight ends don't make immediate impact and you're getting a quarterback here who needs help right away to help his development. You're getting a guy who's probably not going to contribute here. And it was just a really puzzling decision. I think for Ryan Pace, you know, Shaheen had a lot of potential um, because he was kind of seen as a guy who had that size strength speed combination, although the speed never translated to um, the next level, which I think we saw here in Chicago just never worked for Shaheen. For Shaheen, you know, injuries were a huge issue for him. He can never stay on the field healthy, never found a role in the offenses that he was on. And it was just another another swing and another miss for Ryan Pace. Quarterback and tight end were, had kind of been his two worst positions of evaluating here. And we saw that on full display here. Um, I gave this a D pick because of, the, of those reasons you said, you know, what are your thoughts on, on the Shaheen pick? Well, I think – and this <clears throat> this came out while Adam Shaheen was actually the Bears were drafting him, and I was doing research on his background. But he was also a former basketball player who transferred to Ashland specifically to play football. Now that's very interesting to me because Ryan Pace was in New Orleans when they drafted some guy in the third round in 2010 by the name of Jimmy Graham, who also had a basketball background. And so the Bears, for whatever reason, value tight ends that have a basketball background I have because it what it is is this is these guys are just prime um assets in the red zone ultimately when you look at this right it was just a complete mess man because okay George this this 2017 draft is always going to be known as the draft hindsight because people are going to look at you know the Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson but they're also going to look at George Kittle right now, obviously, we didn't know George Kittle or Mahomes or Watson were going to develop into what they developed into. And so you can't predict those types of things. Otherwise, those guys would have been first-round picks as well. But in terms of Adam Shaheen, you saw the ups, you saw the downs. You thought that he would be a good blocking but also receiving tight end. But I think where he really lacked was just he didn't have the strength that's on display um, that a lot of these other Titans have, like a Cole Komet, for example, these guys that are going to be kind of assets and you're going to run them down the seam. You're going to put them out in space. You can flex them into the slot and they're going to impose their will on any given play. Shaheen just didn't have that. Unfortunately, his thin frame is one of the major reasons that I just think he did not work out. Well, he just wasn't a great athlete. You know, he had the size. Um, he was a big guy at six foot six. He was 280 pounds coming out of college. So he was a guy that needed to actually slim down coming into the NFL. But I mean, a lot of that wasn't must pure muscle, like you said. You know, he's a guy that got pushed around the run game the first couple of years in his NFL career. And he just did not have that quick twitch ability to separate, didn't have the long speed to get away from people when getting the ball after the catch. So, I mean, 
it was something where I think Ryan Pace, I think he tricked himself seeing this guy dominate the division two level, not noticing the fact that, you know, this is a tight end at a lower level of competition. Yeah. He's dominating that lower level of competition. He didn't recognize properly or didn't evaluate how that would translate to the NFL. And we saw that here in Chicago, it, it never translated. And it's just very unfortunate uh, for that pick. And so because of those two trades, the Bears did not have a third round pick in this draft. So their next pick was in the fourth round. Like I said, they traded up again. Uh, they traded that sixth round pick they got in the trade um, back when the NFC Heen trade. They traded up again here to get Eddie Jackson. And this is where Ryan Pace started to redeem himself a little bit because you could, I mean, he pro- he missed about as bad as he could on those first two selections in this draft. And, you know, it was kind of thought that way, even at the time for those draft picks, you know, a lot of draft analysts were not very high on Ryan Pace's draft to this point. And here as Ryan Pace does, you know, he, he's a guy that it's like a tradition for Ryan Pace where he'll take a big swing, especially in his early career here in Chicago, takes these big swings in the first couple of days of the draft on guys that um, were very athletic, but very raw prospects, guys that are high risk, high reward type of guys. And then on day three, he makes up for it by getting these steals in the draft and just maximizing the picks here. Um, and, and we saw it here, especially with Eddie Jackson here, who, you know, he had broke, broke his leg, led to in his final year at Alabama, you know, cut short his final season at Alabama. So he slipped in the draft because of this and, you know, it, it worked out perfectly for the Bears here because he developed quickly into one of the better safeties in the NFL uh, right away. I mean, he had that signature moment during his rookie year where he had the two touchdowns against Carolina off the interception, the fumble recovery in that game. Just a really pre, a good preview of what his playmaking ability was at the next level. And then, of course, he had that 2018 year where he was a legitimate defensive player of the year candidate um, in that 2018 season. He was by far the best safety in the NFL that particular year. Hasn't quite played at that level as of, you know, in the last couple of years to follow that up, but he's still a really damn good safety, a Pro Bowl caliber safety, um, and a guy that has been, got a second contract with the Bears already. A guy's going to be a long-term piece for them over the next few years. And, you know, this was just a home run pick for Ryan Pace here in the fourth round, A-plus all the way. Anytime you can get an all-pro safety here, you know, I, I think Eddie Jackson, what's hurt him more than anything in the past couple of years hasn't been, you know, necessarily his doing. I think a lot of it's been the way that he's been used, not being put into, into positions where he can really maximize the talents that he has. Um, you know, I'm excited to see what he does with Sean Desai this upcoming year, because I think he could really have a nice bounce back season uh, in 2021. But we'll see. I mean, Eddie Jackson, he's still a great player. They get that in the fourth round here, and we'll get to this a little bit later, but this day three for this draft wasn't too good on term, in terms of, you know, big-time impact talents here. A. Jackson was one of the few guys on day three that really made a true impact um, for the respective team, and uh, he's been a, a stalwart of their defense over the past couple of years. Yeah, I think when you look at this, uh, you could – make the argument that Eddie Jackson was one of the best day three picks because I know that this was the same draft that saw guys go on day two and day three players like Alvin Kamara and Fred Warner. But ultimately, when you look at it, I mean, Jackson's developed into one of the best free safeties in the NFL. Obviously, he does not get enough credit as he should outside Chicago because some people are just under the assumption, especially analysts of other teams that, oh, well, Eddie Jackson's just this 
guy who's just another free safety. But no, you look at him. I mean, quarterbacks are legitimately afraid to target Eddie Jackson because they know that he's going to be roaming around. So that's why they don't throw to his side of the field. I think that I would grade this pick an A plus, man, because again, you got a key position that's become a bookend piece on your defense that's going to be playing for possibly a third contract here pretty soon too. But obviously the contract steps all the way down the road. But Jackson also, for those that don't know, he did actually step on to Alabama. And when he started there during his freshman year, they actually had him playing cornerback before they transitioned him over to safety. But really just a um, overall well-rounded player that a lot of teams would kill to have. And again, Eddie Jackson's another guy. I mentioned the hindsight thing with Mahomes and Watson and George Kittle. Well, guess what? Eddie Jackson's another guy right now that this is the same draft class that saw Jamal Adams and Malik Hooker go in round one. I think Eddie Jackson right now is safety two from this class. Yeah, Eddie Jackson's had a really nice career here with the Bears so far. Uh, hopefully he can continue that here. Sean Desai's defensive coordinator. I, I'm really excited to see what he does in the future because I, I think he's still a top 10 safety right now. Um, but I mean, he'll have to play like it this upcoming year to kind of prove that, but I think he's like, you kind of alluded to, he's kind of flying under the radar here. So I'm excited to see what he does in 2021, but in terms of the pick here, a plus just home run all around for Ryan Pace. And then they had another fourth round pick here, 119 that they got from the Andrew Heen trade. And that was Tariq Cohen out of North Carolina A&T, another small school player here. And as opposed to Andrew Heen, where it didn't work out, this one absolutely worked out for Ryan Pace once again here. You know, Cohen's a guy overlooked and undersized running back, but he's really become a dual threat weapon for the Bears offense, uh, not only as a punt returner on special teams where he's one of the best punt returners in the NFL when healthy, but as a receiver, running back hybrid type of player, um, he's been fantastic value for the Bears out of the fourth round. Um, he had that great season in 2018 where he was probably the Bears' best offensive weapon. I mean, he was a guy that was moved all over the field, catching passes out of the backfield, making a lot of big plays for their offense as a whole, had a lot of big plays uh, in that 2018 year. Declined a bit in 2019. There were a lot of problems with that 2019 offense. You know, Cohen was very inefficient with the reception that he did get in that year. Um, I think a lot of that was just due to the to, due to the dysfunction of the offense as a whole, Trubisky not working out, not taking that next step. Burton, Trey Burton being injured that year, not having that tight end there. You know, Trey, you know, Tariq Cohen just did not have the same type of impact in 2019 that he did in 2018 and even 2017. And in 2020, this past year, he tore his ACL early on the year. We don't know what his season would have been last season, but I think his presence was missed because the Bears, you know, they're a team that has been – really looking for a way to get more explosive plays in their offense. And Tariq Cohen, he's been one of the few guys on their team over the past four years that really has done a nice job of generating those explosive plays. And uh, we missed that in 2020. So you got a second contract with the Bears here. So both the fourth round picks here for the for Ryan Pace here, getting second contracts. Um, I'm excited to see what he does. So Eddie Jackson in 2021 coming off the torn ACL. I hope, you know, he's fully recovered. You know, ACLs aren't, the deal breaker for running backs anymore like they used to be um obviously you have to sit out a long period of time but it's kind of like an ankle sprain nowadays like it seems like at some point all these athletes are getting these acl injuries and they you know because of modern medicine and science they come back and it's like nothing ever happened to them so um hopefully Tariq cohen he can bounce back and be the same type of explosive threat that we saw 
2018. But, you know, in the fourth round here to get that type of player, uh, it's definitely a great pick here for Ryan Pace. You know, Tariq Cohen, he's still a very impactful player when he's on the field. There's a lot for the Bears offense and special teams here. I gave this pick an A. Uh, what were your takeaways from this pick? I mean, so obviously Tariq Cohen going into college, because I think he only got like one college offer. He was undersized, but also very overlooked. But when you look at him, I mean, what stuck out to a lot of coaches and scouts was his speed, which has become the biggest factor in his game, his receiving ability, the elusiveness as well, the ability to just plant that right foot into the ground and then make cuts at a moment's instance. And that was on display week one against the Falcons in 2017, where he had a long touchdown where he was actually a receiver, but he had a long um, run for a touchdown. When you look at this, this is another one of those that I think with Tariq Cohen, I mean, I do not know how he slipped, but he just brings the spark and the speed element to any sort of offense that you would need any given day of the week on any given play. I mean, and then looking at 2018 was statistically his best career from a reduction standpoint. He fell off in 2019 and then later admitted in the 2020 season. Well, I fell off because I did not necessarily take care of my body. Then played, what, two and a half games in 2020 before tearing his ACL week three against the Falcons. Now you go into year four and you have to wonder what is Tariq Cohen going to be able to do? Because he, I think that contract extension of his that he signed back in September or October, that kicks in this offseason. Ultimately for Tariq Cohen, I mean, it's going to be a big year because I think that he's one of those guys that's ready and set for a major bounce back season, especially if there's more stable quarterback play. Yeah. Quarterback play is going to be key here. And if the bears can like really push teams vertically down the field on offense, now they're really open up things for tree cone underneath where he can have more space to create yards after the catch and uh, do some things with his quickness there, which is a big part of his game. So um, I, I, you know, Tree Cohen, a lot of his value is dependent on the offense that he is in, but when he's in a good situation, he is a, he is a dynamic playmaker. So I hope the bears, they can figure out with Justin Fields here in the building and even Andy Dalton here for how many games that he starts. I hope that generates and creates a good environment for this bears offense where they can take a step forward here. And I think we're going to get to see the best out of Tree Cohen in that situation. You know, maybe not, if not this year coming off the ACL injury, um, hopefully in 2022 when he's fully healthy and can really take advantage of, you know, where the Bears can be offensively in that season. Uh, that brings us to the final pick here, and that's in the fifth round, Jordan Morgan. I'm not going to spend too much time on this. Just overall, it was another small town, you know, dark throw here in the fifth round, and it didn't work. And Jordan Morgan, I don't even think he spent two years with the team. He was just never got on the field, wasn't good at all, and, um, now he's on the league. So, you know, I'll turn it over to you, say, before we draft this entire thing. Um, any thoughts on the Jordan Morgan pick as a whole? I mean, Ryan Pace was also in New Orleans when they drafted um, Jahari Evans, and he was a small-town guy. I think Ryan Pace was kind of going for that exact same feel here, too. So, I mean, drafting a small school guy, hoping he turns into a bit of a starter. I think that, yeah, the NFL is a copycat league, but you also have to understand is that, just because one team does something and it works out for them, you can try and emulate it, but you can't emulate it. You can kind of have shades of copying it. But yeah, this was a complete failure. Jordan Morgan was actually waived prior to the start of the 2018 season. So didn't even play two full seasons with the team. That's how bad this traffic was. Yeah, he basically, this is basically a pick where 
Ryan Pace took the draft pick and basically threw it in the trash can. Just never had a chance of working, I don't think. And uh, we kind of saw that reflected in the results. So uh, that takes us then to uh, finally just grading the class as a whole. You say, I'll start with you. What's your final grade uh, for this class? And what do you think are the main takeaways here from this draft for the Bears? So teams like to draft all the time based on things like need, best player available, but also upside. And I think that if you look at the upside of Trubisky and Shaheen, it was off the charts. Now, if those guys realize their potential, then the Bears in 2021, but just the Bears fan base in general, the Bears draft class, this draft class is in a very different space. But I gave it a C plus, man. I mean, yeah, you missed on Trubisky and Shaheen. Not every draft is going to be perfect, but then. This is one of the this is you could argue the worst draft class that Ryan Pace has had in his seven seasons being Bears general manager. But I also think that hitting on Cohen as well as Jackson, two guys that have become core pieces of the Bears on both offense and defense, you kind of cancel out the selections of Shaheen and Trubisky. Like I said a moment ago, I'll give this draft a C plus. I guess I'll be the negative Nancy here because, I mean, you kind of said this already, but this is Ryan Pace's work strapped, and it's because of the first two picks. You know, Jackson and Cohen, um, they were great finds, um, which I'll credit Ryan Pace for, and that's the reason why I'm not giving this an F. I'm giving this draft a D as a whole. Um, But unfortunately, I I do not think it cancels it out. It's just those players are – Awesome. Good values there. They got great value there in the fourth round, but it doesn't matter if you don't get the quarterback position right. And Ryan Pace had the opportunity to get the quarterback position right and really change the fortunes of this franchise here in 2017. I said this earlier, he had a 66% chance to get a franchise changing elite quarterback in the first round between Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, and Mr. Trubisky here. And instead he traded up for a bust. If you're going to try for a quarterback, which I don't necessarily disagree with that process there because, you know, nothing matters until you get the quarterback there. So if you think uh, you've identified a guy and you want to go get him, I'm not going to necessarily bag you on it. And, you know, look at the value they gave up. I mean, they gave up, you know, some third and fourth round picks, some guys that could have been starters for them, but it wasn't anything um, debilitating to the future of their franchise there in terms of the draft pick, the draft capital giving up. So I'm not like – completely down on that process there to trade up for Trubisky. But if you're going to do that with two other guys on the board that could have been had with that pick, you have to get it right. And he got it wrong in colossal fashion. So um, you also, when you follow that up then with a flop in the second round with Amtry Heen, you just can't do that. You can't miss your first two picks that badly. And given the lack of draft capital that they have with only five picks in this draft, that really sets you back. And, I mean, this draft really, that's really what this draft did. It set the Bears back a few years. It ruined what was potentially a Super Bowl window for them. And it took a miracle fall of Justin Fields, who was in any other drafts, probably would have been the top quarterback taken in in pretty much any other draft. Um, For him to fall all the way to 11 for Ryan Pace to trade up and go get him. It's all these set of circumstances that allowed that to happen for Justin Fields to fall to them, for Ryan Pace to potentially you know, to make that happen, potentially dig himself out of the hole that he created for himself. That was a complete miracle. And it was was just lucky that that happened at all. You know, for all intents and purposes, this should have gotten Ryan Pace and probably Matt Nagy fired for what happened with this draft, because you can't miss on a quarterback that badly. And unfortunately, um, that's what happened there. Luckily for the Bears, though, they got Justin Fields here in 2021 here. So, you know, it, it might 
you know, work out for them in the end that, you know, it took a, a colossal failure for them to get an ultimately get ultimately a franchise quarterback in the end. Um, but in terms of just draining, grading this thing in a vacuum for this draft in particular and where they were at the time, complete failure across the board here at this draft. I'm giving it a D just because any Jackson tree cone were nice players for them, but there's no way I can give this a mediocre or even a positive grade. Um, you know, even with those two good players there, with how they bungled the first two rounds of this draft. And that's where I'm at with this. So I'm giving this a D. That moves us on to the redraft. And for this one, we decided to do only two changes here. So uh, I would assume those would be the first two picks for both of us here. So you said, I'll start with you. What was your redraft for this 2017 group? Yes. Yeah, so going back and looking at this, a lot of people at Patrick Mahomes as um, the first overall quarterback drafted. And that's something that I totally understand. But I also think that it was very hard to predict what Mahomes could have developed into. So I went ahead and just to kind of be the odd one out, I said that I would re in a redraft, I would trade up, but I would also be drafting Deshaun Watson because again, he was at the time and in the context of this class, I mean, a pretty like surefire pick. So yeah, I went with Deshaun Watson as, um, my first overall pick. And then my second pick was actually linebacker Raekwon McMillan, who's currently with the New England Patriots. I thought that McMillan originally went in round two to the Miami Dolphins, and he's been a pretty solid player so far. Not obviously a top 10 linebacker in the NFL, but still just someone who's been good enough and a key piece for the defense. And what makes my, to justify my selection of McMillan, I think when you look at it, the Bears at the time, they had, Jarrell Freeman as well as Danny Trevathan and Nick Kwiatkowski on their roster but we knew that Freeman wasn't the future so you get a freakish athlete in McMillan who has turned into who actually had like a really solid rookie season and has turned into a pretty good linebacker overall yeah I, I changed my first two picks as well and you kind of mentioned it here you know it's either Patrick Mahomes or Deshaun Watson here I ended up going with Patrick Mahomes at number two overall and just because you know, we're not going to be sure whether Patrick Mahomes would have been, you know, Patrick Mahomes if he went to the Bears here at number two overall. But I just think, you know, the great ones, they find a way to make it work. And, you know, I don't know if Mahomes would be making all the record-breaking numbers that he's putting up in Kansas City with what he has in Chicago right now just because the talent and the situation with the scheme, uh, the coaching staff just isn't there. Um, it wasn't there certainly in 2017 when he was drafted for the John Fox style Loggins offense. That, that's definitely for sure. You know, not necessarily the most ideal place for a quarterback development there. But, again, I just think the great ones find a way to make it work. And, you know, Mahomes, he might go down as an all-timer at the quarterback position. He probably will go down as an all-timer at the quarterback position. And, you know, I would just bet on the talent here. You know, it's interesting, you know, going back and kind of mentioned that story where, you know, John Fox didn't know that Mitch Trubisky was, was going to be drafted. It was also mentioned and you know, a couple of stories around that as well that, Mahomes was kind of was seen as the Bears' number two quarterback in this class. It was actually in the same cloud as Mitch Trubisky, which makes the decision to trade up for him even more infuriating because you have uh, – because the way Ryan Pace does is he has clouds of players for – it's basically like a tier system for how he evaluates prospects. And he had Mitch Trubisky and Patrick Mahomes, reportedly speaking, in the same tier of prospects, and he traded up for – it made no sense there, um, but – you know, he had Mahomes and Trubisky in the same tier, basically, as prospects. So it would make sense that if you're not going with Trubisky, go with Mahomes here. That's what I'm doing uh, with this draft pick in hindsight. And, you know, would Mahomes be the all-timer that he is? Maybe not. 
but I'm betting on the upside and, you know, betting on, you know, great players will find a way to be great. And that's what I'm going with here with Patrick Mahomes. Um, and then the second round here, I changed this pick from Andrew Shaheen to Juju Smith-Schuster out of USC. You know, this wasn't a great second round. I was looking at all of these picks following where the Bears drafted, and I just did not – a lot of them just were not very intriguing to me. I did not like a lot of them. To be quite frank, there was not a lot of good selections here. Uh, but Smith-Schuster was uh, probably the best one because, you know, when you're drafting – because you have to think about this from the perspective of you just drafted a quarterback high – you have to support that quarterback with talents to surround him on the offensive side of the ball. And the Bears, they lacked wide receiver talent. They needed a replacement for Alshon Jeffrey. So I want Juju Smith-Schuster here because you know, he's been a solid receiver in the NFL. Uh, maybe not the speed start you want to typically see, but you know what? He's had a productive career. He's been a borderline pro bowler at times in Pittsburgh um, and just a very solid player. Not a number one wide receiver, but a solid number two for you. And doesn't prevent you from going out and making a, a big move for an Al Robinson or Taylor Gabriel like they did in the 2018 offseason to support Shurisky anyway. So I would have gone in that direction um, to kind of support uh, the quarterback on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, so I think that's going to wrap it up here for us. You said um, a lot of a lot of interesting stuff for this 2017 class. It was certainly a memorable one, um, not for the right reasons in many ways, but it definitely set the tone for where the Bears are at right now and. Hopefully we're starting to see a situation to where the Bears can kind of dig themselves out of that hole that they dug for themselves with this draft. And, you know, hopefully with Justin Fields here, you know, they can move on from this completely and just reap the rewards of having a franchise quarterback finally um, in the future here. But that's going to do it for us here at Picks for Pace. Uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Picks for Pace and get all of our updates and any new information uh, for our podcast there. You say, where can they follow you on Twitter and find your work, man? Yeah, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Usaid Koshal. Check out my work on the Bear Report. And yeah, I'm on every single social media platform, guys. So lots of cool content coming throughout the slow period of the offseason on thebearreport.com. So be sure to tune in every single day. Yeah, and you can follow me on Twitter at AJFreeman25. Keep a lookout for my latest work coming for the Bear Report. It's going to be coming up on the Bear Report YouTube channel. Hopefully, I don't, I don't know if it'll be up on the time this uh episode comes out um, and gets published but hopefully by next week uh it's going to be an exciting one i'm really excited for uh this one for our fans who look who watch our uh, film breakdowns on youtube um and that's going to do it for us here i want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in on all podcasting platforms uh y'all have a fantastic weekend enjoy the summer weather bear down everybody Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.